Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity may contain explicit and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster Rebecca Adams and are not based on the advice of a licensed therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist. Listener discretion is strongly advised. What does ponder actually mean? Well, according to the dictionary, it means think about something carefully, especially before making a decision or reaching a conclusion. Well, as you know, on the Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity podcast episodes, we allow women to share their stories in a non-judgmental way about why they stepped out of their relationships. But there are so many other interesting topics that we all need to learn from and not to judge right away. So let's talk about it now. Let's ponder. Well, hello and welcome to Let's Ponder on Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Today is kind of a unique episode. Instead of really talking about anything taboo, I am going to share with you a little bit about an author. Her name is Avril Hurtnicki. Hurtnicki. I asked her how to pronounce it, and she spelled it out phonetically as best as she can. Avril is deaf, and so she's really never been able to hear how her last name is pronounced. That alone, to me, I imagine is a challenge. Those things that myself, maybe you, maybe somebody else you know, and how we take things for for granted is something as simple as this lady not even understanding the pronunciation or how to say or hear using your voice and your ears to pronounce something as simple as your own last name. So she wrote a book, and it's called From Rejection to Love, The True Story of a Deaf Woman Who Overcame Abuse and Neglect. She found me on Facebook and wondered if I would be interested in talking about her book. Absolutely. I would love to share this with all of my listeners, as I'm sure, at least again, and I speak for myself, I don't know how it is to live without functions, certain functions in life, senses, things like that, because I've been blessed. Obviously, I can talk. I talk a lot. I can hear. And as a slight towards men, unlike men, um, selective hearing isn't an option with me. (laughs) And that's a total joke, guys, because, you know, men. Um, But... uh, I think this would be good for everybody to read and understand what challenges people with something like not being able to hear, not being able to see, you know, those challenges in life that they have to deal with every single day that the majority of us, like I said earlier, take completely and totally for granted. So today I'm going to read just a little bit of her story uh, that she sent over to me to share And I will have the links in my episode notes if you're interested in checking out her book. Um, It's on Amazon and then, of course, her own website. So check that out. I think it's good for a lot of us to 
learn. Nothing wrong with that. And then after that, we are going to read through um, some feedback from a couple of uh, recent stories uh, from people who listened and actually from one of the uh, people who sent in their story to Patreon. So we'll share that on the later half of this episode. Infidelity. Both women and men alike have found themselves in situations where they have become unfaithful to their spouse or partner. On the podcast, Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity, you hear stories from women who have been unfaithful, but want to share their stories to help others in similar situations or to help other people understand why sometimes infidelity happens. But there is still so much more. How does a man cope when he finds out that his wife, girlfriend, or partner has cheated? What are the reasons why a man chooses to cheat? Are they similar to why a woman does? Or maybe you are the other man or the other woman in a relationship. I asked her later why she didn't tell me she liked the kind of sex she had with him. She said it was novel for the first couple times, but she swore she didn't like what he was doing. I'm not sure I believed it. Why keep going back? I'm sure in hindsight she feels that way now, but I never got over the nagging doubt that she enjoyed the sex with him more than me. I also never got over the feeling that she looked back at what they did and with good memories. He was bigger than me, in better shape, younger, and the sex was new. I never got over that. Again, she swears she looks at it with disgust, but who knows? Why would she ever admit it? To hear the rest of this story and other stories like this, please visit the website rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com and click on the Patreon link. For a $3 a month pledge, You will get access to these additional episodes, as well as early access to regularly released episodes. If you have a story that you would like to be considered for a future podcast, please email rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. All submissions will always be anonymous. And always remember, no judgment. What does it mean to be a deaf woman growing up in today's society? Are there obstacles, hardship, struggles? Those are only some of the battles that I've had to endure growing up as a youngster, teenager, and young adult. Let me tell you, I'm from the city of Brampton in Ontario, Canada. My household was nothing but calm. My sense of safety was jeopardized at every turn. As I write these words, the physical, mental, and emotional pain still runs through the psyche of my being since I've taken my first breath of life. I believe I have a purpose in life, first and foremost, a wife and mother of my children. I'm so thankful that my children do not endure what I had to go through in the past with my own mom and dad. I want to get this story out in the world. It is a certain and difficult truth and terribly biased due to my family's upbringing and culture. 
Sometimes digging up old skeletons out of the closet and exposing them are the only way to release the pain and let go. It is freeing not only from within myself, but all around me. Perhaps this book would be a welcoming balm for others who have gone through similar horrible childhoods as I have experienced. No one should have to go through what I went through. If you know someone who is going through these types of experiences, ask them to have professional help and get the state involved for one's protection and those of children. For as long as I can remember, the aspects of my family life have never been exactly positive. What is a home without a loving mother and father who are unable to communicate with me in a way that I can fully understand and reciprocate as an integral part of the family? You see, I am deaf. Reading the firm lips of my parents was so difficult, I barely understood them. They constantly belittled me. I was ignored so much that my heart closed in. Please know these types of family situations cause emotional abuse as well. And what was bad? Language deprivation. It got better when I attended school, and I will talk about that later in this book. Of course, I wasn't able to speak for myself. I didn't know how, and I wasn't sure my speech in English was clear to members of my family. I had difficulty making the conversation a two-way street with shared feelings, ideas, and experiences. It was like they had sewn my lips shut or worse, handcuffed my hands behind my back because my primary language, American Sign Language, ASL, was not permitted at home. My parents never even realized that ASL use is an accessible language and could improve our relationship drastically like normal families. All of the effort given forth was through me using my other senses to work twice as hard in order to get information as opposed to those who have the privilege of hearing. I accept who I am. Therefore, I don't feel any remorse, guilt, or shame in being deaf. Why couldn't they just accept me as I am? This is me. While struggling to maintain a relationship with my parents, I was also bullied by fellow deaf students at school. I thought being at a deaf institute would better my life because I was surrounded by those who were similar to me with a lack of hearing and using American Sign Language. I felt like an outcast in my own community, and the support of friends was nowhere to be found. The place where I had access to communication to the fullest extent was no use to me if I wasn't accepted there as well. It was supposed to be my home away from hell. I would eventually meet a friend who suffered the same fate, but the constant bullying continued for the rest of my days at school. It was the one place where I could truly express myself and understand those who reciprocated their thoughts or feelings with me, yet I still didn't feel like I belonged or fit in. It felt as if I were placed in an obscure gray area. I was neither. I grew up in a Christian household and attended church on Sundays. You'd think that a holy sanctuary such as a Presbyterian church would provide services for deaf people so they are included in worship. 
However, that was not the case as an adolescent at the time. During services, I'd sit in my Sunday dress and freshly tied singular braid that would extend down my back, silent and confused. I'd stare at the congregation and the pastor with uncertainty. I was lost. How was I supposed to develop a relationship with God if I didn't have any access to communication? I was lost in a sea of spoken words from the Testament to the congregation, up to the Lord, and somewhere in between, I sat there in my own world of misunderstanding. I'd watch my brothers and sister leave to attend Sunday school as I sat by my parents' side in the pews. I'd ask my parents to interpret the service for me as they were my only choice of access. Even though my parents did not sign, I had become accustomed to their speech. The only words that formed out of their mouths were, Later. That time never came as they disregarded my request at a later time. I was a victim of autism. I was living the life of what autism stood for. As autism has many definitions to its name. In other words, my parents denied me the opportunity to thrive, find my own identity as a deaf person, and explore the world of deaf culture. And to me, that world was unknown as I was shielded from those opportunities. My parents wanted me to succumb to the hearing world instead of believing that my deafness could prevail or make me a successful woman in life. It was as if being deaf wasn't good enough for them. It's who I am. This is me. As I became older, I longed for companionship. I've been told repeatedly by many that I'd never find the love of my life. The curse was broken when I got married in 2016, and that love brought me two extraordinary and brilliant children into this world. My name is Avril Hurtnicki. I was abused, gaslighted, barrier by my parents for 22 years. I decided to write this book for two reasons. Hearing people's autism is real. Deaf people need to tell their own true stories through their books about their parents. My goal is to inspire people to speak out and find their identity as a deaf person. I want the hearing community to accept the fact that we are deaf and we like this way. I still carry this resentment of my life to this day. My story starts here. I must say this woman has a lot of courage and has overcome a lot. And it's heartwarming to know she has a family that she loves. She can move forward in her life and treat those children the way she wanted to be treated when she was a child. And the fact that she is reaching out, she wants to educate people. And again, like I said at the beginning, a lot of these things most of us probably don't even think about. So let's show our support. Again, her book is on Amazon and it's called From Rejection to Love, The True Story of a Deaf Woman Who Overcame Abuse and Neglect. 
If you have been listening to the show for a while, then you will know that from time to time we have feedback. And I like to share that on the show. And today I'm actually sharing um, an email feedback from a gentleman named Mike. Now his story was in November on Patreon. It ended up being a three-part story and um, the Marine actually did some of the voiceover for me. It was quite interesting. Um, He now thinks he's a celebrity and a a vocal talent because he said a few lines for me. And I absolutely let him believe that, you know, if that makes him happy. (laughs) But uh, the gentleman, Mike, sent me an email after the new year and wanted to share something with me. And I wanted to share it all with you and, of course, have his um, permission to do so. So he wrote, thanks for taking my story for the podcast. Thanks for doing such an excellent job on presenting it. And thanks for the comments at the end. I listened to each of the three parts while out walking. At the end of part three, I felt strange. I couldn't believe that in a relatively short time, I had gone from discovering your podcast to thinking I would like to have my story feature, actually drafting, redrafting, and refining my story, submitting the story, and listening to my story on a podcast. I felt like part of a community of people who have gone through the chaos of post-affair madness. It felt good. Thanks for providing me with the opportunity to tell my story. It took effort to draft the story, but it was so worth it. Have a great break, come back refreshed, and I wish you every good thing for 2022. I thought that was nice. You know, as most of you know, um, the Patreon are the stories of female infidelity from the man's point of view, or the partner's point of view, Um, what they went through when uh, they found out that their spouse partner was cheating. And it gives them a chance to express... Uh, their emotions. So it still is about female infidelity, but it's from another viewpoint of it. And uh, Mike's story was great. And I appreciate you, Mike, for trusting me with it and bringing it out to help other people. And so the next feedback, it's a little bit long. I think it's just the one person here. Yeah. And this gentleman likes to help me out quite a bit by sending in feedback or suggestions. And so I did go through and edit this a little bit. But like me, he likes to do the whole talk to text thing. And sometimes those of us kind of miss our pronunciation on things and such. So if I stutter through this, this is why I did go through and edit it because he told me you better edit it before you read it. But in looking at this, I can see I made some notes, but I may not have completed it. So sorry, here we go. I am far from an expert. I think I told you I had depression issues and PTSD, some from when I was an auxiliary police officer in my 20s. One reason for my obsession is the lack of violence, but sometimes the infidelity, why they did it, is almost like a true crime without a death and violence I have been told to try and avoid. I know it sounds strange. I mean, my favorite show used to be Criminal Minds. I do cut back on it, though, and no violent video games. Sometimes parts of the year are worse than others, and 
That is part of how I came to be such a fan. As I said the fact my marriage has issues and I could be on the market again, I honestly do think there is much to be learned. The first is that communication is key. I have learned other things as well as the danger of people who seek attention and many affairs are about validation, it seems at least from the woman's side. While men have the issue as well, we do not starve ourselves to fit in dresses. It seems that it hits how many guys feel, hence the danger. I mean, there is emasculation. We are not good enough. When in reality, it seems men who sleep with other men's wives are worse than the women who sleep with other women's husbands, which has yet to be a ponder episode, and I have no idea why that is, but then again, with women, it's usually more than just sex, as you have mentioned in the episode, hence why they can be more dangerous to a marriage. Not saying male affairs are okay, but one reason I think studies show men feel more guilt, which surprised me, is that when women cheat, there are usually uh, more than just sex. I think one of your articles you shared said men cheat when they are perfectly happy. If that is the case, of course, we will feel guilty. So here he has referenced um, from a story. It says, Joe, his gut reaction uh, with the guy was typical. The difference is someone like me would wait like a cobra or rattle and strike. He was going to go to his house and stand a chance to get caught. It does sound, excuse me, it does not sound like he rug swept the affair. So his wife likely will not do this again. The separate rooms for a year likely showed her what she could lose or be lost. There ha- there always has to be consequences for a successful reconciliation. I call you to Sarah's story. As the first time she admitted to the affair with the same guy, it seems it was swept under the rug. Hence, she did it again. I forget from your story if the first time there were major consequences, but seems in my readings that is often the way to save your marriage. I forget where I heard it, but... Quote, to save your marriage, you have to be willing to destroy it, end quote. Now, this is especially true when the person is in the affair fog. It sounds like with Joe, not too many people knew about it, so it made it a bit easier. Like I said, I think with Steve and Karen, I do not think the fact every time they went out to dinner, someone could look at them and say, hey, look at that cuck. His wife was blowing a guy in his house and he is still with her. Male pride is a funny thing. I always wonder, since most of those in the remodeling crew knew the electrician's motives and preying on married women, that Steve, you could say, they were complicit. I mean, the carpenter that told him he knew how the guy was, and I'm not sure what got to his conscience. Maybe Steve is like me and would bring the hammer of the gods. I would, even if the marriage was over. But I would not make it obvious, like go to a site and say, hey, you like banging married women. But I also have training, some don't, and have been thought to think outside the box. The, quote, Marine, my guy, might be able to relate. (laughs) Joe is another must listen, particularly if a woman, we deal with the female infidelity here, is thinking of cheating or just starting and can end it before damage is done. He likely stayed for the kids. I think it was less than 70-30 he would stay. He also does not seem like a weak guy, but is more generous than many men and women would be. 
Side note, on Sarah, I am not sure how many picked up on the fact that her affair partner would not touch her the day he was going back to his wife. This is part of the difference in men and women, it seems. I bet if she was available, and he was likely, he might say of a long-term relationship, uh, hell, I don't want her. She can't even be faithful to her husband, yet he will sleep with her. I have often heard that with men. Just like the man who in college would do three ways with another guy and a girl, but he would not date her, and I'm like, but you'll sleep with her? Which seemed a little bit hypocritical. Now the girl would have been willing to date either guy. I think the story that was recent of a woman that had the husband that liked to drink whose shrink almost encouraged her to keep up the affair fits here. He is an older guy, not going to leave his wife and is a good guy. So is Sarah's guy, as far as someone who is willing to sleep with another man's wife can be good. He would likely figure she can't be faithful to her husband. It seems women do not worry as much about men who are cheating on their wives, though, and I guess that is Mars and Venus. Now, what I really find hard about Sarah and the other lady, if a guy like me was the person being cheated on, or if the truth came out, I would never be able to deal with being with sec- being second choice. There are a couple like that. Piper, if I recall. Nadine was as well, but sounds like she got her act together and realized what a jerk the affair partner was. I wonder sometimes when I hear changes and updates, if someone like Nadine hearing say Sarah's story makes her think, oh my God, I am not that bad. It is a natural human emotion. Hope all is well, and I think I'm going to catch up on the November to December episodes last year I missed while on my hiatus when I was a bad boy. So thank you (laughs) for sending that in. I know exactly who this is. And like I said, he's sent things before. Um, He's real active as a listener, a friend, a family of the podcast, those type of people. And I appreciate him. And so that is actually going to wrap things up today. Um, Just a reminder, I am still gathering information for future ponders like number of partners. You know, is it important to you? Do you want to know how many partners your current boyfriend has had or girlfriend? Um, Does a certain number say, oh, there's no way I want to be with this person? Does it matter? You know, I just would like people's input on that. Um, uh, You know, maybe you don't want to know, you know, and why. Another one that I kind of wanted to bring up, which is kind of a newer one, is, and I'm not sure exactly how to word this for print purposes, like on social media. But have you ever been in a situation where you meet somebody and you hear them say something like, oh, my ex got fat and I don't like fat women. Um, Or, oh, you know, my ex let her gray hair grow. And you know, deep down, you're at risk of gaining weight, or you have gray hair and you color it. And then you become almost paranoid to the point where you're stressing yourself out and you're gaining weight or no energy to color your hair or things like that. Has anybody been in a situation like that? Um, And, you know, or do you think, you know what, he can take it or leave it or she can take it or leave it or this and that, or I want to make sure I keep this person pleased. This is a 
this is a tough one. I mean, there's a lot of deepness to these because they can go different ways as far as, you know what, he can fuck off and go away or she can um, just accept me who I am, you know, those types of things. Um, so I'd love to, to hear about that. So I, again, this is just kind of a new thing that popped up and I want to try and get some information from people. I just know that a lot of us experience that in life and we never want to lose a partner, um, but how much of it is them being shallow? and not caring about the person and who they are. It all has to be kind of a physical thing. If your physical attractiveness, excuse me, attractiveness changes since we met, I won't tolerate it. You know, we all go through different things, especially women. Shoot, middle-aged, you can just look at a cookie and gain five pounds. And I know there are women on here that are laughing because it's so true. Um, And, you know, it's hard. The older we get, the harder it is. So please, Rebecca.rawtruth uh, at gmail.com. Or if you follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, you can also message me your thoughts there. And we'll use that for an upcoming episode. Thank you again to Avril for sharing her book with us and to Mike and Anonymous for their feedback. You have been listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Your support of the podcast is truly appreciated. Be sure to visit my website at rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com to access story guides, subscribe to Patreon for bonus episode of the men's side of female infidelity, and to vote for this podcast to be in the Hot 50 Countdown for Podcast Magazine. To submit your story for the show, share feedback, or if you have a Let's Ponder suggestion, please email it to rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com or send by snail mail to Rebecca Adams, P.O. Box 821064, Vancouver, Washington, 98682. Every story is always anonymous. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity is produced and edited by Rebecca Adams. You can follow the show on Facebook at Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, on Instagram at Podcast Raw Truth, and on Twitter at Raw Female. Thank you again, and be kind to one another, be kind to yourself, and always remember no judgment. Goodbye. Goodbye.